What's up, you guys? Welcome back to The Gray Space. My name is Corinne. I am so happy to have you here. Happy Tuesday. I feel like it's been an odd start to February with this warm front we got for my Northeastern girls. We're not used to this in Pittsburgh. We have actually seen the sun five days in a row, which is unheard of. It's been 60 degrees out. I've been able to walk outside without a coat on. Like, I've been thriving. I talked about the winter uglies last week, and my winter uglies are cured just from this weather. And also the fact that it's not pitch black outside at five o'clock. It's starting to get dark at like six, so... We're on the up. It's amazing how weather and the sunlight can just make you feel so much better. But let's get into the question of the week. What supplements should I be taking? Okay, as someone that has been buying supplements since they were 16 years old, that's when I got my like first protein powders and stuff because I started training for bodybuilding shows. I've worked with supplement companies and I can say confidently, I have tried it all. Here is the problem with the fitness industry and supplement companies in general. Most of them, not all, they're going to pry off of insecure people, mostly women, that are looking for a quick fix, desperately wanting to lose weight. And if you read something that you really like to hear, like this greens powder is going to eliminate your bloating, you're going to buy it. They pry off of our insecurities. And fitness influencers, because they are working for a certain supplement brand, their job is to share everything about that brand. They are taking so many different supplements and they're sharing that all over their social media because they get them for free. Supplements are really expensive and especially if they're high quality. But the issue with that is it makes the consumer think that they need to take all of these supplements too. Fitness influencers are in a contract where they have a certain amount of posts per month stories. They're pushing codes. They're pushing new launches because that is how they make their money. So you're seeing this all the time and you're being convinced that you need everything they are taking because you now believe taking these supplements is what is getting them their results. But when in reality, it's not true. You don't need as many supplements as you think. And this is where the gray space lies because the average person, they need a protein powder. You know, this is going to be the number one thing as a consumer that, I would say everyone would benefit from because we need to get more protein in our diet. These aren't supposed to be meal replacements though. Keep that in mind. This is simply just to get more protein into your diet to replenish your muscles after a workout. You could stop right there if you wanted to. The most popular second thing is pre-workout. It's gonna get you in the zone for the gym. You're gonna have more energy. People swear that they have a better workout because of it. Personally, I've always been a coffee drinker. Like I always use that as my pre-workout. I would never recommend having both unless they're spread out during the day. So if you have your coffee in the morning and then later in the afternoon or evening, you wanna drink a little pre-workout before your actual workout, yeah, that's fine. But if you're having your espresso in the morning and then downing a scoop of pre-workout, that's gonna be way too much and I definitely do not recommend that. Protein powder, pre-workout, 
And the last one I'd say you need is creatine. Now creatine is widely misunderstood and gets a really bad rep, especially with women. If you like heard me say that and you're like, eh, I don't know. Creatine is just a basic amino acid and it's going to help optimize your cells. And guys, it has a great impact on cognitive performance, aka your brain. We get this naturally through red meat, but I feel like red meat has also gotten a bad rep, especially with women. I personally know a lot of women that don't even enjoy the taste of red meat or they're scared it's going to give them high cholesterol because they've heard that over the years. And when I say that is such a myth, just think of it this way. Like there is no way you're eating enough red meat in order for that to have a negative effect on your cholesterol. Like eat the steak. You are fine. Don't always have the turkey. There is so much nutrients in red meat that we are lacking. But if you are someone that doesn't really care for red meat, creatine is going to be very beneficial for you to take. Now, don't worry. You're not going to get super bloated. You're not going to hold on to a lot of water. It's not a magic supplement. And you still need to put the work in with your nutrition, following an effective exercise program, but it will aid into better improving physical results and your cognitive function. I used to be huge, huge on greens powders. Honestly, being off of them during pregnancy, I noticed zero difference. (laughs) The only thing they do is they're going to fill some nutritional gaps that you might be lacking within your everyday diet because... There are a lot of micronutrients you probably aren't getting within your day-to-day diet. Plus, if you're someone that doesn't add a lot of diversity into your diet, that's me. And I really keep telling myself, like, I need to change it up. I can't be eating the same things over and over because that's where a lot of gut problems can happen. This is where I noticed my rosacea started to flare up. This is why I have an intolerance to eggs because my rosacea flares up as soon as I have eggs because I used to eat them so much. Like sometimes breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like when I was in college, my gosh, I didn't have a lot of money to spend on protein. Eggs were cheap and it was really easy to get my protein in that way. And I would just make them in a bunch of different ways. And I think over the years of just dieting, eating the same things over and over, my gut has suffered from that. The amount of how important it is to have diversity and change up what you're having is super important. So if you're going to take anything from this, take that. But what you can do instead of a greens powder, what you really want to consider is requesting labs from your doctor to figure out what are your nutrient deficiencies. Unfortunately, this probably won't be covered under insurance, so it is a little on the pricier side. But if you're looking to get to the root cause instead of just wasting your money monthly on all of these different supplements that really aren't doing much for yourself, this is the way to go. In that way, you know exactly what you need to supplement with. Like if it's just a vitamin D deficiency, okay, buy that supplement and make sure that I'm having more of that. That way, all of your ducks are in a row and you know what to do. Let's catch up. I want to make a formal apology because I feel like over the last eight months, I have made pregnancy my entire personality. 
Like, I don't even know if I want to apologize for it, but just point it out that I am well aware. I know. Pregnancy has been my personality because it's all I can talk about when I get on social media, especially within this last couple of weeks. Like, I'm 36 weeks pregnant now. We're at the tail end. I try to do a better job on here than on my Instagram and TikTok and continue to talk about important topics, but... Anytime I'm talking about myself or what I'm personally doing, it's surrounded by pregnancy. But it's because, guys, it is my entire life. Like when I say I am overly consumed by it through endless doctor's appointments, like I am in a doctor's appointment like two to three times per week now. Nesting has completely taken over my brain reading books on just how to take care of a newborn. I got this new book. That's by Moms on Call. Any new mamas or pregnant mamas out there listening to this? Moms on Call, zero to six months. I'm learning things like what their poop is going to look like because I have no idea. So it's actually giving me a little bit of peace of mind. Birthing classes, Bobby and I have been taking virtually, which I'm so glad. If you could do it virtually, please do. Because there are some times where she's going over the PowerPoint and... I don't know. I think it's just because we're both so immature, but we cannot stop laughing at like the way that they're explaining all of this. And you're just like thinking in your head, like I am about to go through what this woman is telling me and I am just terrified. Like I am so not ready for this, but ready or not, it's coming. And I know some of you might be thinking like, okay, cool. You're pregnant. Like, why do you need to talk about it all the time? Listen, I totally get it. If it is not within your phase of life right now, like, why would you want to listen to that? Um, But once it happens to you, you will fully understand. Or even moms that listen to this, I'm sure you're like, no, I totally get it. You're bringing me back to how I used to think. So pregnancy is become my personality. And once she's here and I'm actually a mom, I'm like, okay, well, mom is my new personality. I always think about how I'm going to show up on these platforms. Because when I first started sharing content on social media, it was just straight workouts, a lot of dieting tips. I talked on intermittent fasting 24-7, which now I'm like so against, which is so crazy. But I made fitness my life. And that's definitely evolved over time. I'm really looking forward to sharing the raw side of postpartum, embracing the mom life. And hopefully my journey is going to help women gain confidence and progress during postpartum. Like that is really my main goal. But Friday I hit 37 weeks, which means I'm considered full term. And we only got a couple weeks left after that. So as I continue on the pregnancy rant, I want to dedicate a part of the episode to educating you more on gestational diabetes since I've been diagnosed with it for the last nine, ten-ish weeks now, which is kind of crazy. Um, so first, let's go over the protocol of why every single woman has to do this. Once you hit around 24 to 28 weeks, you're going to take a glucose tolerance test where you're going to go into the laboratory. They're going to make you drink this giant dosage of sugar and get your blood tested afterwards. First test is just an hour. The point of this is to see how your pregnant body is adjusting to that sudden spike 
in the blood sugar. I thought I was going to pass this with flying colors, thought there was going to be no issues at all. I even had a girlfriend that was pregnant at the time that was telling me her mom was so worried that she was going to get gestational diabetes because she had already gained 30 pounds in her pregnancy. And so I'm like, I should be completely fine. It's not like I'm gaining like a bunch of weight or anything like that. But I knew nothing. When I say nothing about gestational diabetes, literally nothing. When I got my test result later that day and it said, you don't want to be over 140. And I think I was at 165 and it said high. I was like, oh my God, like what? what? I like call my mom freaking out. I start crying immediately. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, what am I doing? And she was like, calm down. Like, it's okay. And my mom doesn't know much about this either. She's never heard any pregnant woman get this before. And we're both just trying to figure out how I have a high test result for this. My doctor calls me, says, unfortunately, we're going to have to ask you to come back next week and do the three hour test. So I'm telling myself, okay, you have a week to really just focus on your diet, clean it up, see what you've been doing. Because in my head, I'm like, I really haven't been doing that bad. Like, I'm pregnant. I want to enjoy myself here and there. I do eat a peanut butter and jelly every morning. But like, how can it be something that's so bad? I clean my diet up completely within that week. So I'm like going into this three hour glucose test being like, I'm definitely going to pass it. I drink the drink and they now have to take my blood every hour for three hours and you have to stay there. You're not allowed to leave. That was a little bit of torture. I brought a book with me. I did some work, so it wasn't too, too bad. And then I get the test later that day and it tells me that it's still high and I'm like, great. Okay. But I'm still not convincing myself that I have it. Like, I just had to hear from a doctor. Like, I'm looking at these test results and I'm just like, maybe I don't have it, but it's still saying that it's high. When the doctor confirmed it, I was a mess. What the heck is wrong with me? How are you already feeling as a mom? Like, I just felt so down on myself and so embarrassed because... I'm a nutrition coach, for God's sakes. I help people with this. I have helped people that are pre-diabetic. So in my head, I'm like, I can't tell anyone this. Like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm embarrassed even to tell my friends and family this because if they are thinking what I'm thinking, like, I just felt lost and I'm trying to look up every single TikTok video out there explaining this to me. And they kept saying, it's not my fault. But I just needed to hear from a doctor to like tell me the truth because I almost didn't believe it. After talking with multiple doctors, after having the experience of going through this, here is the easiest explanation of gestational diabetes. Your body isn't able to produce enough insulin to cope with the changes your body is going through since we are growing an entire human. So things like shifting hormones or an increase in body weight, the baby growing, these all affect how much insulin our body needs. Those of you that don't know, insulin's main job is to lower our blood sugar to a normal level. And if we don't have enough of it when we consume food, 
it's gonna cause our blood levels to rise. And high blood sugar levels can have a negative impact on our health, especially in pregnancy and especially on the baby. So you are now at a higher risk for type two diabetes, preeclampsia. It can cause the baby to grow bigger. Like this one lady, when I went to go get an ultrasound, I had to do a growth scan at 33 weeks. And she said that Sophia was around five pounds, four ounces, which is around like the 50 percentile, which is good. That's normal. She said this one lady, her baby was already 11 pounds. And that is someone that just has not been taking care of their gestational diabetes. And that is really scary because then you have to probably go into an early labor. The baby could also have poor control over their blood sugar levels. So this really has nothing to do with how you've been eating or if you are considered overweight or anything like that. And as soon as this baby is out of you, this apparently goes away. Now the protocol, once you are diagnosed, you're going to get a little diabetic kit. It's gonna come with the little pricker, all of these little blood strips, and your glucose monitor. You then are gonna meet with a registered dietitian. You're gonna go over how to use the glucose monitor. All you need to do is one, as soon as you wake up, you prick your finger. They want your number to be under 90 first thing in the morning. Then you wanna do an hour after breakfast, an hour after lunch, and an hour after dinner. It can be hard to remember sometimes. And she said, if you forget, you can go two hours. After one hour, want it under 140. After two hours, you want it under 120. Personally, I was waking up with a high fasting number. It was always over 90. It was always like 95, 98, 100. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why is this happening? And I learned that there's a hormone that increases at night for pregnant women to prevent drastic drops in blood sugar happening overnight, typically it makes it impossible to lower the fasting numbers without having to be put on a medication or insulin. Then you meet with a nurse practitioner about a week to two weeks later. So you've been pricking your finger doing this whole thing one to two weeks and you send them your numbers. You're going to have to write them down, keep a chart. I just did it in my phone notes. And they're going to be the ones to determine if you need medication because it could be managed in one to three ways. Just diet, diet or medication, diet and insulin injections. As soon as I showed her mine, she was like, I'm doing a great job with my diet, keeping my numbers low during the day. However, really can't control the fasting when I wake up in the morning. So she did prescribe me insulin. I was really, really nervous to take this. But guys, it is not bad at all after doing it. Like it is the tiniest little needle. Like when I say you cannot even feel this, I cannot feel this at all. And you just have to inject it on the side of your belly. They will tell you how many units you need to inject. And she just said to take this with a little bedtime snack. Ever since then, I've been waking up and my numbers have been in the 80s. So it's been all in the clear for me with that. From there, every week, I just send the nurse practitioner a screenshot of what my chart looks like. I also have to now get a weekly biophysical profile ultrasound and a monthly growth scan. 
because they really want to make sure that baby is moving and grooving in there, very comfortable. They're checking the placenta function. Um, They're making sure, obviously, she's not getting too big on top of the weekly OB appointment. So this is why I'm living in the doctor's office right now. But I'm thankful for it because it's giving me peace of mind knowing that she's good. And the last thing that you want to be aware of that I was not aware of is the possibility of an early induction. Of course, if your baby is too big. Now, they said to me, they want me to go naturally. Like, they don't want to have to induce me because an induction can take up to 30 hours, which sounds awful. But they do not want me going over 40 weeks because I am considered high risk. So I might have to get an induction. If she's staying comfy in there, then they will schedule the induction because they don't want me going past the 40 weeks. But that's pretty much all you really need to know when it comes to gestational diabetes. There's a huge stigma around this that it's the woman's fault. And us pregnant women go through enough (laughs) during pregnancy. And this is not something you need to feel guilt and shame over. Our bodies are working really hard to grow an entire new life. A lot of women that I've talked to have actually looked at this as a blessing in disguise because they have learned to actually eat healthy. I wish I had someone to break this down for me. So that's why I wanted to make this episode on this. And if you have any worries or you are currently at the beginning stages of your diagnosis, you know you can always reach out to me if you have any questions whatsoever. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I love you. Don't forget to rate the pod and I will talk to you soon. See ya.